0: Um and I'll tell you guys i i, I and I've said this before, but I don't know how much I'm going to get through what I've got prepared, and I do think it's good, so don't don't think I, I don't want to teach it. Um, but I just want to talk to you just what I've experienced just through worship this morning. Um, is that okay? Is everybody okay with that? We'll just chill out a little bit um, and I may get into the some, but uh, how many of you guys have just like been through some rough stuff in their past or lately recently? Um, we're dealing with some too in our family, and it's tough sometimes, isn't it? Um, but I can tell you what is so encouraging. Um, and I can remember the days before I got saved when I, people would drag me to church, or I would go to church. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. But how encouraging it is to come to church on Sunday. <laughs> it's just so good. And, uh, so much so, I'm going to skip to one of my fun facts here. So I apologize if I do some stream of consciousness teaching today. Um, uh, bu- 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 there it is. Recent survey over 50% of pastors said the only time they pray is to get a message for Sunday. Those same pastors cited little or no time at all to reflect on or rest in their Heavenly Father's love for them. That's, a, that's real. They interviewed several pastors. I mean, it was... Lots of pastors that they interviewed, and that's the reality that we find ourselves in sometimes in the American church. That pastors feel the pressure, and I, and I'll be honest, even amongst probably the best church in Mobile, um, sometimes I feel that pressure too. Um, and I find myself, although I do pray throughout the week, really only kind of kind of getting on my face and just just really really hearing from the Lord on on preparing for Sunday's messages. And I don't want I don't want to continue to do that. I want to recognize that what I do on Sunday mornings. I'll let you into my my um, a little bit ADD mind here is, is on Sundays. I tell myself over and over and over to listen, 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 listen what I was telling you guys. <laughs> That's really what I tell myself every Sunday. When I'm in worship, I tell myself to listen because I like to talk. Most of you know I like to talk. But I have to I have to settle myself down to rest and listen to what God's saying. Do any of you struggle with that? Am I the only one? I, I talk a lot, and I think I've got everything figured out most of the time. <laughs> but sometimes we just have to be quiet and Listen. Listen to what he says. Um, I'm skipping everything. I found another quote. I was looking in my notes for a completely different quote and, and couldn't find it, but I stumbled upon this. And I don't even know when I, when I wrote it in my notes, but it's from uh, Robert Farrar Capone. I don't know if you know him. He's a big-time grace, old-school grace guy. And he says this. I think good preachers should be like bad kids. <laughs> I love the way he writes because it's just pretty raw. He said they ought to be naughty enough to tiptoe up on dozing congregations, steal their bottles of religion pills, and flush them all down the drain. The church, by and large, has drugged itself into thinking that proper human behavior is the key to its relationship with God. What preachers need to do is force it to go cold turkey with nothing nothing but the word of the cross and then be brave enough to stick around while the congregation goes through the inevitable withdrawal symptoms. (laughs) but preachers can't be that naughty or brave unless they're free from their own need for the dope of acceptance Robert Robert Farrar Capone I'm not done I'm just trying to get through it I'm going to read that again for myself so y'all just bear with me but preachers can't be that naughty or brave unless they're free from their own need for the dope of acceptance And they won't be free from their need until they can trust the God who has already accepted them. In advance, and dead as doornails in Jesus, ergo, the absolute indispensability of the trust in Jesus' passion, unless the faith of preachers is in that alone, unless the faith of preachers is in that alone and not in any other person, ecclesiastical ecclesiastical institution, theological system, moral prescription, master recipe for human loveliness, they will be of very little use in the pulpit. It's powerful words, yeah. Wow's well, right. We, we, and we, we, we did talk about this last week, and that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. We have to know who we are before we can ever share it with anybody else, and I'm speaking to myself. Unfortunately, too many pastors do get caught up in the, the acceptance and the love of others and, they, and very much broken hearted because we're people too and we hurt We hurt with people. We hurt when they hurt. We hurt when they hurt us. <laughs> um, and all I want just so desperately and, I, and I, I, I feel like my heart's heavy this morning because I know you guys and I know some of the things you've been through and you're going through and I hurt with you and I pray for you. And I just, I can't say that enough that 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 we're we're, we're such a family here. And it's so good. We've we've been getting an influx of visitors, and there's been a spike in internet activity. I don't know what it is. It's the Holy Spirit working in, in the internet world because I didn't have anything to do with it. But as people come in here, I really, really, really want to emphasize that we've 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 swam in these waters for a while. I feel like we're pretty confident in who we are. But as we go into more Doing things because I'm, we're going we're to be doing more things. Some of you guys, and what's cool is some of you guys have come to me wanting to start some things and wanting to do some things, and I'm not even having to prompt you, and that's awesome. But at the same time, I want to be careful that you guys don't get caught up in some workspace theology and in in, in 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 worried about me being disappointed if, if you don't do it right, or, or me being frustrated if you you know have a sick kid or you know what I mean. I just want to be careful with that. I, I want I want you to know. We're all in this together. We're all people. We all love each other. Um, well, let's let's just get into this. I'll I'll get through some of it. First Corinthians four seven. <clears throat> First Corinthians four seven says, For who and this is this kind of comes on the tail end of what we were talking last week. In, in being righteous through Christ and open our eyes to his righteousness and understanding spiritual things because all Jesus ever did was try to explain to us spiritual things and all we ever did was go, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I know life and death and I know how the physical works, but I don't understand how the spiritual works. Now what I didn't get to with the tail end of that was um, how, how we can sometimes get shifted up and turn into self-righteousness. And this is what he's talking about here. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't received it? Now, the same way there's fruit to righteousness found in Christ, we know that, right? We abide in the vine and we have fruit that, that we just naturally do. Fruit happens, right? Things, things will begin to happen because we abide in the vine. We're hardwired to receive the same way we're hardwired to produce fruit. Does that make sense? In the same way... If you uh, abide in a self-righteousness, there's fruit. There's fruit uh, to those who teach earned righteousness. You know what that fruit is? Arrogance. That fruit's looking down on others, despising others. That fruit from self-righteousness. That's what that's what comes out of that. Look at Luke eighteen nine. Luke eighteen nine says he also told this parable to some who what trusted in themselves. That's the root. Think about this. Okay, we're looking at a vine. Who trusted in themselves. This is the root. And, and that they were righteous. And what did they do? They looked down on everyone else. That's the fruit. Another translation says uh, despise. They despised people. If, if, you find, if you find righteousness in yourself, if, if you think it's about you and what you can do. Now listen, I, I there are a few things that I have zero patience for, and one of them is religious arrogance. <laughs> I don't have much patience for that. I've had people come to me in church before and, and, and say, we know, we know you get it like because I speak in tongues or because I, I've fallen out in the spirit that I'm better than anybody else. I don't have a lot of patience for that. I'm no better than anybody else. Trust me. <laughs> if I get to the end of this, I'll tell you how bad I am. <laughs> um, but that's religious arrogance saying that because I have this gift or because I have this, um, because I, I, I have, I'm prophetic or because I'm this way that I'm better than you. Mm-mm. I don't see that. I don't see that in Christ. But that's the fruit. If you trust in yourself, the fruit's going to be despising other people, and it's going to be looking down on other people with your nose up in there. I call everything, and (laughs) I'm joking, so everybody that lives across the bay is not snobby, but I call it, my friend lives over there, so I mess with him, I call everything Piedmont over there. I don't know why, I just come up with Piedmont. So everything across the bay is Piedmont, so every time he says something like, oh, you guys in Piedmont, you guys turn your nose up at everybody over here. That's the way we're... uh, Religious leaders and the Pharisees turned their nose up. They were better than everybody else. They thought they were. That's self-righteousness. Now, here is what's interesting: is you can do the same thing by trying to trust in other people. If you look, if if you look to other people, if you look to someone else to make you happy or to fulfill you, you are not loving them. Listen to this: you are using them. This is a powerful truth here. If you are looking to someone else to be your vine to abide in, and this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about um, casting pearls before swine. He's saying, "I see how you relate to me, that's okay, but don't think that everybody's going to act like me in the world. Does that make sense? Don't, don't be offended when your coworker doesn't act like Jesus all the time. That's what he's talking about casting pearls before swine. Relate to me the way you relate to me. I'm good. I'm good all the time. I'm consistent. This is, this is real. This is your reality. Um, but don't look to other people. He never said to abide in people, abide in your, your friends or your co coworker, coworker. They didn't make you. They don't know you. We're not to abide in them. So the only acceptable righteousness is found where? In Christ. I used to hear, uh, give us clean, and pure, clean hands and a pure heart. Do you remember the song? The scripture too, but the song, give us clean, clean hands and a pure heart. I used to think, wow, I need to pray a lot before I sing that song. But what, what the scriptures talking about, what the, what the song really should, is talking about is, Jesus was the one who had clean hands and a pure heart. He's the one who gives us our righteousness. We can come to the throne with boldness. We talked about last week. Because now, through Jesus, we have and a, clean hands and a pure heart, not by our own self-righteousness. In the same way the scripture that talks about uh, the prayers of a, a righteous man are powerful and effective, I used to always think, well, if, I'm more, like, if I try really hard and I'm more righteous, then my prayers are expedited. <laughs> like, they go quicker, right? They get there quicker because I'm, but that's not what it's talking about at all. All of our prayers are powerful and effective through Christ, who is our, what, righteousness, right? That's where we find it. Not self-righteousness, because if that's the case, my prayers aren't <laughs> going nearly as far. Not that they have to go far, because the kingdom at hand. We'll get, you know what I mean. When you, <laughs> when you mess up, you guys know this stuff. When you guys mess up, um, we talked about this morning, too. Where's the best place to be? One of my, uh, in my secular job, I was in sales before I went to this, the company I'm with now. And uh, one of the reasons I went into sales, I thought all salesmen were slimy. Like, it's like I don't want to ever go into sales. There were two guys that were outside sales. One was my industrial sales manager, and another one was a salesman. Both of them were Christians, and both of them were like legitimate good guys. I thought, wow, maybe I could be a salesman. Um, And so I went into sales, and and my boss told me this one time when he was training me. He said, "Uh, if you run into an issue out in the sales field, if something happens, I was selling a lot of paint at the time. He was like, if paint fails or equipment fails or something, he said, stop everything you're doing and go directly to that problem. He said, don't run away from it. Go right to it. He said, you may get cussed out. (laughs) You know, you, you may have some issues, but you need to go directly to it. And I'll never forget that. And as I was studying this, I remembered that because in the same way, what do we do when we mess up? We, we try to run away from God like we're not good enough, right? And what's the best place to be is to be right there back with Him. In the same way he was telling them in the garden, look, who told you that you were naked? I just, I just want to walk with you. I just want to love you. What better place to heal than with the healer, right? What better place to be restored? Dust yourself off. Repent. What's repentance, what's repentance mean? It doesn't mean just feel bad about what you did. It means look at what happened. Look at the results. Look, look how bad you feel. Look how God has something better for you. And change the way you think about that, whatever you did. Not lay down and just dwell in it and wallow in it. That's part of self-righteous too. We'll get to that in a minute. Thinking that because The same way you think you're good enough, you think you're not good enough. And you just wallow around in it and you don't ever come to, the, come to the point of it. And I'm telling you the same way in, in my secular job. If I don't address any of those issues, they can get a lot worse and they'll blow up in my face later on. They'll accumulate and you'll hide them and you'll, you'll tuck them away and you'll tuck them away. And then you'll fall apart because you haven't brought them to the one that can actually fix those problems. Um, now everybody attacks grace. Oh, well, you don't need to be holy or you don't need to be righteous. No, holiness and righteousness matter. But it's where we find it is the, the, the kicker. Holiness and righteousness matter. Why? Because of love. Love is the only law that supersedes freedom. We're free in Christ, right? We can do whatever we want. All things are are, uh, admissible or permissible. Permissible, submissible, whatever, permissible. But not all are beneficial. So he's saying is you have all this freedom. The only thing that governs freedom is love. We're free to do whatever we want, but do you love? We, we have to learn to rest from dead works. Dead works are any attempt we make to get ourselves right with God. Do you understand what that is? That's a dead work. Because if you're born again, that work's already been done. Can we, can we crucify Christ over again and over again and over again? No. The only righteousness... If you continue to do that, if you continue to say, okay... If, like you're crucifying Christ, that's, that, the only result in that will be more self-righteousness. You see the, the, the kind of end, the end there? Let's go to Hebrews nine thirteen uh, and 14. It says, For if, if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh, for the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal spirit see the difference there? Offered himself without blemish to God. Cleanse our what? Consciences Consciences from dead works to serve the living God. Not the historical God, but the living God. He cleanses our consciences. Listen, even your conscience can lie to you. Do you know that? I'll tell you, 1 John 3.20 says it. I love this verse. 1 John 3.20 says, Even if your conscience condem- even if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience and he knows all things. How is that possible? How can God be greater than our conscience? Because he knows our end from our beginning, right? Look at when he saw Saul. He saw his end from his beginning. He saw Paul. We saw Peter and he talked to Peter it's the same way. He saw his end from his beginning. He didn't see the Peter that was doing the wrong things. He saw past that and sawing what he was capable of. God doesn't see, he's not limited to time and space, right? He can see everything all at once. So he's not limited to to our finite being. He can see all of it all at once. So he he even sees past your conscience. That blows my mind. He's greater than your conscience. Jeremiah 50 verse 6 says, My people are lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Who led them astray? The shepherds guiding them the wrong way into the mountains. They have wandered from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Why were they lost? Why were they wandering? They had forgotten their resting place. They had forgotten where they found their confidence. They had forgotten the truth. So here's kind of what I want to get to here. we, we How do we pray? I, I grew up hearing pray almost like just request. Pray, I need this, or I need that, or, or what's going on, or even... People have talked about um, being passionate about prayer and just trying really hard um, as though it's all about us. Like we war in prayer, we plead, or we request. Um, and that's where I, I was going to talk about that survey. But here's the thing. If we don't receive it, we can't give it. If we're praying for something that we already have, those are dead works, right? How ridiculous is it to constantly ask somebody, like if I was to ask you guys to bring me water constantly and I had water right here in my hand, how ridiculous is that? I need water, guys. I really need water. Please, somebody bring, bring me more water. <laughs> and I have water right in my hand. That's dead. That's pointless. And who else is benefiting from that? Because I've spent all day asking you for water instead of sharing my water with other people. And people thirsty. Um, you were just as hardwired to receive as you are to produce fruit. We don't need to strive to get close to God because Christ gifted you closeness to God. Align your mind with what's happened in your spirit. We don't say, we need to get near you, we need to get near you, we want, we want more of you, we want more of you. And these are some terms that we use in church sometimes. But really what we should be saying is open our eyes to the revelation or to the reality that you are with us, that you are here in our hearts, that you, your kingdom is at hand. Open our eyes to the truth of what you say about us. Like I said earlier, when, when the Bible talks about dying to self, I w- I've always heard that, dying to sin, we, we kill our flesh, we die to this thing, we die to that thing. What he's saying is, die to the lies of the flesh are telling you that will benefit you. He's saying, live in the Spirit. He's saying, align, like we were doing with Gabe and Holy Spirit Roberto, align your mind with what's happening in your spirit. That's all it is. Is saying, okay, shift, shift. You remember, uh, uh, yeah, shift into dominion. Uh, it was Delia Knox and uh, Levy Knox shift into dominion. So we, we, we literally, and that's why there's so many scriptures talking about set your mind, set your mind, set your mind. It's not change your mind so that your heart's right. It's aligning your mind with what's going on in your heart, which is the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's clicking and reminding yourself when we, when we fall and we mess up and then we pick ourselves up and go straight to God, this is where we fall is, is where we don't do that. We go straight to God. We repent and go, okay, that was not beneficial to me. We, we realize that. What is? Let's go that way. Let's see what that looks like. God's way is better. It's not not that he's mad and he doesn't want you to have fun. He wants you to have joy. He's not some cosmic killjoy. He created joy. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. He he doesn't want it laced with guilt and shame. He knows that when you you die to flesh, when you're talking about dying to flesh daily, it's it's dying to those people that are saying these things that are lying to you that, that say, this will fulfill you. This will make you happy. This will be good for you. No, they won't. They don't. Religion says to throw everything into the river, but we don't stand at the bank and throw our past and our guilt and our shame. We walk into the river and give ourselves. Right? We, God doesn't want your little piece, your tithe, or your, or a little bit of your past or your shame. He wants everything. Why does he want it? Because he wants to make all of you better. All of you, not all of you. Well, all of you corporately, but all of you personally. He wants to make you whole and better. Unfortunately, we, we believe lies and call them truth. A recent survey said 6% of Americans believe in mainstream media. I'm glad. Because um, where does your truth come from? Mainstream media owns their information. They can say whatever they want. Right, They can put out whatever they want because they own the rights to it. It doesn't have to be the truth. That's right. Open your eyes to, to some media, social media too. Open your eyes to it. They control it. They can do whatever they want with it. And that's their version of quote-unquote truth. You can buy into it and you can be tricked into it, but that's not the truth. Now here's what's encouraging. 6% of Americans believe in mainstream media. 14% believe in Sasquatch. I'm not lying, that's encouraging. I'd rather, I'd rather believe in Sasquatch than mainstream media. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'd rather believe in Bigfoot. Um, John 15, 3 says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Already clean, past tense. Another form of self-righteousness is identifying with your flesh, your history. Have we not been born again? been born again, you, you, you were a new creation. You were grafted into a new family. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart. Melvin knows about that. Melvin got, a, Melvin got a new heart. But spiritually says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Verse 27 says, I will place my spirit. Look at whose it is. I'll place my spirit with you within you. And cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. How do, we, how do we live out and follow his commandments? He causes us to do it. How many times have we gotten that reversed? Because we do these things, now we're righteous. Because we follow these rules, now we're good. How many churches that I, I know I've gone to have been so critical of behavior that they've missed completely the relationship? Completely. And I left those places... Feeling worse and angry. When you discover the truth about you, you will have a new want to. <laughs> Listen, it says it right there. He will cause you to follow His commands. He will give you the Spirit, we talked about last week, the Helper, that will help you. And His commands aren't hard, His burden's light. His yoke is easy, right? This is where we've messed up. Too many times we identify with our past and our flesh. I'm going to try not to get into too much detail. Most of you know and, and, and have been around since I first the first time I preached here and the first time I ever really preached. I get my testimony of, of my history. And I don't want to make it all about me, but I know my story. And I'm so disconnected from it because I'm so new in Christ <laughs> that sometimes I forget where I come from, like the history that I have. And that's a good thing. <laughs> But I want to tell you a little bit about me and how unqualified I am to be your pastor <laughs> in the flesh. My mom was a runaway. She was she a was wild child. She ran away, and she got, she got pregnant with my sister, with my dad's cousin, and then got pregnant with me, with my dad. Um, it was the 70s. She was partying. They were doing a lot of drugs and doing a lot of bad stuff. Um, I was supposed to be aborted. She had several miscarriages before me. And, uh, and I was supposed to be aborted. Many of you guys know this. but um, And the Lord, she wasn't saved then, but the Lord spoke to her when she picked up the phone and said, you know, leave him alone. He's my son. And I didn't know this until I was in my teens. But I wasn't supposed to be here. She, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said that there was zero chance that I would go full term, that I would never make it. And uh, she would have a miscarriage like she did with the other kids. Uh, all through adolescence, probably all through elementary school, I witnessed a lot of drugs. My dad sold drugs and, and did a lot of bad stuff. There's a lot of physical and mental abuse in our house. Um, I was introduced into pornography probably six or seven years old. Um, became sexually active about 15. And continued to try to fill my life with something good. Anything that I could find that I thought would make me happy. All the way into high school, I dropped out of high school. I got in trouble, got arrested at 18. And had to quit school and do tons of community service and pay restitution and deal with a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I did get my GED, though. <laughs> uh, but really, really at that time, probably from the time I can remember all the way up until not long after I got arrested, I really felt fairly worthless. I mean, I wanted to enjoy as much life as I could, but I thought that I would die in my 20s. Like, I kind of planned that. Like, I'm just going to live wild. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to get married and have kids. I don't want to do anything responsible. I just want to have fun and just die young. That was my plan. I didn't think about what happened afterwards. By the flesh, I, I mean, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to cemetery, seminary. <laughs> I, didn't go to, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything by the flesh that qualifies me to be your pastor at all. I promise you much less to be a father and a husband. But Jesus. But the Holy Spirit. But the truth about me. Listen, we are so loved here. We are so happy here. And even though we go through Trials and stuff in our life. I'm so disconnected from that life. I had to, I had to fight to remember some of the bad things that I, that I saw. What a blessing. <laughs> what a blessing. But I don't boast in those things. I tell you that so that you don't boast in your past because that's not who you are. My dad was married ten times. I'm not just making that up literally ten times. He was unfaithful to all of them as far as I know. He he was just wild. He 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 did what he wanted to do. He was an alcoholic. He did drugs. He did a lot of he did a lot of bad stuff. But he hurt. He 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 loved us. I know he did in his own way. And he struggled with a lot of things. Um, he was abused and went through foster care and different things like that. But statistically, by the flesh, and statistically, I should have done a lot of those things at this point. I should struggle with the same things my dad struggled with. I should, statistically speaking that's not who I'm born from because I've been born again. And that's not who you're born from and that's your history and even the best history is is not as good as your new history where you've been born into, this new vine that you're grafted into. This God carefully, (laughs) carefully grafts you in and works you into his family. He's like, hey, come here. Don't worry about all that stuff. (laughs) Come here. I'm going to work that out. But I'm not good enough. (laughs) I know. But I am. And everywhere you fail, I'll fill it up. Because he fills all things in every way. And every time you fall, he'll pick you up. Because he's a good God. I didn't have a father around growing up, so I didn't know what a good father was. I didn't even know what a father was. I stressed out about raising kids. I don't even know what to do. (laughs) And God was like, hey, I'll show you. I'll walk you through it because I'm right here with you. That's the difference in religion and relationship. I'm not just going to tell you do this, do that, do that. I'll be with you. We'll we'll yoke together. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And so we dance with his righteousness. We, We swim around in his truth. We understand his grace. And so when we mess up, He's right there with us, and, and we let him pick us back up. Don't run away. That's the biggest mistake you can make is try to run away because that's a form of self-righteousness too because you're identifying with something that you're, you're not anymore. You, you have to try to identify with your past, and you will be miserable. I'm not, I'm not, that's not hypothetical. That's not uh, theological. <laughs> I have experienced it. I'm 39. I'll be 40 next year. I've experienced lots of good and bad things, And I can tell you the truth, and the truth is, He's better. In every way. In every detail and everything that you do, He's better. Stand up with me. I I just want to listen to what the Lord has to say. And and I believe that He's saying to us as a a group and as a church that... uh, there's about to, something's about to happen <laughs> I feel like things are about to break and, and in a good way whether it's, whether it's a system or, or, or an attack I don't, I don't even know what to call it but I don't care I know the answer and it's him but I will encourage you guys right now to rest in the truth of what God says about you because it's so important for you to receive it because when the time comes to give it you need to be confident in, in, in who you are in him and know that when things get tough or when you have a problem that we're here for you and we want to build you up um, we were recently asked by a few different families how to join this church, how to become members and it, it's taken me back to try to figure out what do, what do we want to do that, how do we want to do that because this isn't a club, we don't want to just make members of a club but we're a family and in the same way he grafted us in, I want to do the same thing with those families so I'm going to talk to them and we're going to find a way that we can just love them and pray for them and support these new families that are coming in here. And it's not going to be all on me because I can't do it all by myself, so. I just want to pray for you guys because I'm going to need your help. <laughs> so Father, I pray right now over every, everyone in here, Father, even everyone that's going to hear this podcast or that anyone that may come through these doors that'll be a part of our church family, Father, that we, we want to look out. We want to look out and see the field that's ripe and waiting for a harvest. Father, we we want to reap what you've sown in us. Father, it's your truth and it's your love and it's your grace that you've given us. And until we fully grasp that and understand it, we can't give it away. We have to know who we are. Father, help us to see that we don't want to continue in dead works and trying to justify ourselves, Father, because we're justified in your son. In everything that we do, align our minds with, our whole, with the Holy Spirit that is in us. Father, don't let us forget that, that we have a comforter, that we have a helper, that we have a person in the Holy Spirit that goes with us everywhere we go. So that when we feel the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something and we get a little afraid, we look to you and we go, hey, okay, there you are. I don't have to be afraid of, of what people think of me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. I don't have to have, have anxiety. Father, because those aren't fruits of the Spirit and you don't give it to us. Father, that you give us peace and love and joy and that supersedes everything that we do. So, Father, as we lead up to our food and fellowship next week that we can just hang out with each other and just, just love each other and we invite people in to, to be a part of that, Father. And as we go into our... <laughs> Our uh, fall festival, Father, that that as people come in this place and we can just love them and and just show that same grace and love that you've given us to them, Father, that that we are confident in it. Father, as we leave this place and we go out to eat or we go to visit family or whatever we do and we leave this place, Father, that you keep our mind on on you and what you have for other people because we can get get distracted. We're still saved. We're still loved. We're still born again. We can get distracted. And the devil's completely fine with, with, with distracted Christians. He doesn't need to kill us. He can just distract us for a little bit. But, Father, continue to show us your truth in us and in others and open our eyes to it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Ooh. Go spread some love.